Hi, I'm Sunny Dean. And I'm Scott Drakeford. And this is the Publishing Radio Podcast. In 2022, we both launched debut novels in the same genre with the same publisher in the same year. But despite having very similar starts, our books, and subsequently each of our careers, went in very different directions. That pattern repeats itself throughout the industry over and over. Why do some books succeed while others seem to be dead on arrival? In this podcast, we aim to answer those questions and many more, along with how to build and maintain an author career. Everyone signing a contract deserves to know what they're really signing up for. In an industry that loves its secrets, we'll be sharing real details from real people. We'll cover the gamut of life as a Big Five published author, from agents to publishing contracts, finances, and more. We're just going to introduce ourselves and explain why we're here, which is to shed light, promote transparency, and help authors advocate. Uh, There is a lot to learn about this industry and a lot that doesn't make sense. We can't claim to be experts, but we can give the author perspective from two very different sides of the coin and bring in people who do know a little bit more to talk about their experiences as well. Uh, So I'm going to start by allowing Scott to introduce himself. Oh, I, I shouldn't be first, but uh, I'll go anyway. Ladies so first. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that. Uh, I'm Scott Drakeford. Uh, I have a, well, just one book out right now, Rise of the Mages from Tor Books. Uh, that's all you really need to know about me at this point. I think we'll we'll get into the whole story and the whole spiel. But long story short, I write uh, tech-heavy Fantasy, going to be getting into some historical fiction and other things, but uh, fantasy right now. Uh, yeah, and I'm Sunny Dean. Uh, my bio is kind of the same bland bio everywhere, which is that I grew up in Hong Kong, but was born in Texas or the other way around or something. And I now live in the UK and I, I used to want to write epic fantasy and now I've ended up writing some kind of weird mashup urban fantasy contemporary stuff with Tor. I have The Book Eaters which came out in August 2022 and an untitled book which nobody can think the title for Um, and we are both Tor authors, we're both 2022 debuts uh, and that's how we kind of met and got started on this. When I was thinking about this podcast, we've been talking about it for over a year. I had this idea to do a writing podcast that's maybe a little bit like Print Run or, or podcasts like that that talk about publishing, not craft, although craft does get discussed sometimes because we, we, we can't stay away from it. But yeah, honestly, we're, you know, we're writers and we're looking at writing as a career. So if you're here to kind of make trade publishing work for you, Uh, and you don't know how, which is difficult because there's not a lot of information floating around, we can talk about that. There's no formula for success, but there are common ground experiences that people go through, um, common pitfalls, common things to worry about, especially in your contract. And I guess go over the good and the bad and and the bloody ugly. (laughs) There is some good, um, but there's a lot of bad and a lot more ugly. Well, I mean, just the the scarcity of information and the bad information that circulates even among people that are theoretically in the know, right? I've, I've been in the industry quote unquote 
since like 2015, but it, it's really only been since meeting you, talking with you and the other authors that have kind of gathered around mm-hmm. you. I mean, and, and a few other authors here and there before that, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, if you don't have some sort of in group, you really don't have a good understanding of what publishing really looks like um, and where you really stand in that landscape. So it, I, I do think that, be it good or bad, the info we have to share is going to be helpful for somebody, right? Because yeah. you shouldn't have to fumble around for 10 years to even understand what kind of industry you're in. Yeah. And the crazy thing to me is it, it, it's at every level. So when you're querying, there's all kinds of things like what's the etiquette for approaching agents, for chasing things you don't know. No one tells you, you just kind of expect to figure it out. You go on submission. What's the etiquette for that? What's going on behind closed doors? Why does it take eight months for someone to read a picture book? Um, <laughs> mysteries of that nature. You know, why did that book get this amount of money? Why did my book get less or more or whatever? Um and just really basic things where it's like this year for me has been eye-opening in terms of how, how lists work, how sales work, that the fact that so many of us kind of go into launch day not even knowing our print run, <laughs> not having a, an idea of how many books we need to sell to earn out, and it's just kind of crazy to me. So, I mean, I'm going to, I guess, start from the point of view of trad versus indie very, very quickly. Why did I choose trad? Because because the whole rest of this podcast is going to be a lot of stuff that will be have people listening and going, why are you doing this again? everyone's got different reasons for me indie does need money to make money and that was my goal was to have a career with books um i don't know how you felt about it if you looked into it uh but basically when i was doing the research it was like the state of the market for the indies at the moment is you need money for editing covers and advertising at a minimum and you need to write fast you need to write in certain genres to increase your chances of success and it takes a long time. But yeah, for me, the money was the main barrier. Querying was free and submission was free, um, discounting the emotional cost and trauma. And um, <laughs> getting published is is largely free aside from, you know, you're, you're not having to lay out money or take financial risk. So did you look yeah, into the indie I mean, route at all? Yeah, that, that's a big deal, the, the financial side. For me, uh, indie just wasn't something I was really familiar with, right? I started writing in 2012 and I began looking for an agent um, in 2013. Uh, So I was already researching agents and how that world worked. All the books that I had read up to that point were trad books, wanting to be part of that group of authors that I I had read and and admired and, and all of that. From the financial side and, you know, purely business side, trying to get attention in a very crowded space, which indie is, right, is my absolute nightmare, right? Like, And I, I think the thing I would stress, I guess, before I get myself lynched on Twitter is that I'm not making a judgment <laughs> on different publishing paths, that the, the, the publishing path that works for you is the one that's right. But definitely, like, the challenges I'm most familiar with are trade. And when I talk about publishing and career things on the rest of this podcast, I'm really talking about 
a book deal with a publisher that can give you mass market distribution. Um, and that's the kind of career path and that's the kind of problems that we we look at. So that's our expertise, right? Like for yeah. those listening, wondering what you're going to get out of this podcast, Sunyi writes amazing books uh, and she also secured a, a relatively good um, debut deal. And she has a lot of contacts in the industry, more than anybody I know of at her stage in publishing. And she's taken the time to learn from a whole bunch of different people and areas of the industry. Uh, and I, in particular, have, have learned a bunch from her and from the group that the writing group she pulled me into. Um, my function on this podcast is <laughs> mostly just to be a truth teller. <laughs> No, I mean, that's very important because I think we're, we're kind of getting into the, the meat of why the, the podcast exists if people haven't gotten bored at this stage. But it's effectively that um, at its heart, publishing is, is very unfair. And I was explaining this as a kind of metaphor to my partner earlier. It's like, you know, if you want a job in a regular industry, you might go to this big corporation and uh, send an application and you come in at the lowest level and you work your way up and it makes sense and there's progression. You know what you're getting paid. You know what happens at every level. Um, and publishing the equivalent is like, you want a job in this building, so you send in a general application and you don't get to pick what position you'll be in. And you have to wait by the door for a long time and maybe no one will answer, maybe they will. And maybe when they answer, they'll say, well, congratulations, your job is to be our company doormat. Or maybe let's say your job is to be our company CEO. And you will go like, it, you know, that would be ludicrous as a model, but it, that is a bit what publishing feels like. You query, you get an agent, you go on submission. You don't actually know how well your book will do until it gets picked up. And when it gets picked up, it's like its fate is almost decided. I mean, it's not that rock solid. There, there are books that get picked up for nothing and do well. And there are books that get picked up for a lot and they bomb. And there's both ends of the extreme, but generally publishing has a very tiered structure where yeah it's like applying for a job in a big corporate building and you just get a job that kind of defines your career right out the gate almost um that's yeah, what it feels like from our end and yeah. I, this might be a good point for you to start talking about your publishing journey actually and what that was like <laughs> uh you want me you want me to go first again huh yeah ju just a quick comment i i definitely agree you know that that tiered nature of trade publishing and where you might fit in with other books being acquired debut or otherwise, I didn't feel was all that well known. And I, I, I still don't think it is outside of certain circles, right? I, I mean, I think even I myself didn't really know the difference between a lead title and a non-lead and whether there were any other tiers besides that. I think people don't want to believe it, actually. Like I've had this yeah. conversation with authors and they, they hear that and then they turn around and they go, well, no, that won't be me. I'm just, I'm going to try and work really hard and, and like kind of overcome this. And it's like, but it's not really your thing to overcome. Like, yeah, you lock yourself in. And when, when people say, oh, well, you give up control to big publishers when you sign a contract with them, yeah. you know, I was one of those that thought, I'll make my own success regardless, right? Yeah. 
But what you don't realize is that the factors that can actually affect success, or at the very least reach to give you a chance of success, they don't belong to you anymore once you sign that contract, right? Everybody mentions, you know, the the obvious things like, oh, you give up control on your title, on your cover. Maybe you'll have to change certain things about your book to make your editor happy. That kind of thing is always mentioned when when the issue of seeding control comes up. But it's mm-hmm. never a matter of, oh, you aren't going to decide, you know, whether they send out promotional material for your book, whether they send your book to booksellers and and influencers at all, that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I definitely, back when I signed my deal in 2017, was in that camp of not really knowing what it meant to be signing the deal that I was, right? And that's why I think it's, it's pretty important to, or, or at least useful. Uh, I mean, if I were a prospective author, I'd be gobbling up everything that uh, we have planned to say on this podcast. So I hope it's useful to somebody. In 2012, I had just graduated with an engineering degree, though I had been working full-time as an engineer for two years, three years at that point, enough to know I didn't want to do it uh, anymore. I, I've always loved reading and I've I've loved reading fantasy in particular fantasy is what turned me into a reader and so I thought okay I'll you know I'll give writing a shot because it seems more accessible than a, a lot of other things you know starting a business whatever else uh, I had floating through my head at the at the time so I started writing in 2012 and I started with Rise of the Mages Rise of the Mages is the the first book I I've ever written and and ended up getting it published in 2013, I began researching agents, tried to decide, you know, what agent I wanted for me. As as mentioned, indie versus trade publishing wasn't much of a an internal debate for me. 2013, I, I narrowed my target agents down to three, mostly just based on books that I had read and liked. And you're gonna hate me a little bit for this, but, you know, Sanderson, Jim Butcher, and Rothfuss were three of the more uh, successful authors I knew of at that point, right? And that through my very limited uh, reading circle that was mostly my dad, their agents were three that I wouldn't mind being represented by and and, uh, really liked based on what I could find online, which wasn't a lot, honestly. I found out that two of those three agents would be at a convention in England, in Brighton, England. My wife's family is from England. So we decided to to fly out and I met them for the first time. Kaylee, my wife, hadn't seen them for a long time. And I got to spend three, four days down in Brighton and stalked my prospective agents. I was super awkward. I was very, very nervous. But of the two I talked to at that convention, I really liked Matt Bialer, who is my current agent, and was really impressed with, you know, just how he handled himself. He, he was very, uh, very kind, even to a, an awkward guy approaching him, asking if I asked him if I could send him my unfinished manuscript when I had it done. He gave me his card with his, his personal email, which I think helped a lot. Uh, I didn't just go into his assistant's slush pile. I went straight to him. 
I thought I was almost done. I thought I was going to send it by the end of that year. It took me until the beginning of 2015 to finish the manuscript, edit it, revise it, you know, many, many times until I was satisfied with it. I queried Matt with an exclusive query because I decided, you know, that I'd rather have one of the top agents uh, than just an agent. Uh, so my plan was to go one by one with, at, at the very least, the top three to five agents I had I had picked out. And Matt was my top choice, so I queried him first. It actually took a, a, a bit. At eight weeks, I decided I was going to follow up and just said, hey, you know, we met at World Fantasy Convention. You you said I should send it to you here. I hope you got it and and had a chance to read. But, uh, you know, if, if you did read it and, and um, have any interest, I'm about to send to other agents. So just let me know if, you know, if you just need a little more time. And he responded and said, I do need a little more time. I remember you. Um, I like what I've read so far. Just give me a few more weeks. Uh, and then a, a few more weeks passed and he emailed offering rep. And this again was in 2015. And I thought I had it made, right? Like <laughs> I, th I, th I, th I thought I was in, it was done. I was going to be an author. Like I was counting down my corporate career already. Didn't quite work that way. It took until 2017 to uh, my mistake 2016 to be ready for sub so matt's a very editorial agent and he, he he's had a few different assistants in the time i've worked with him but they've all been very very good in terms of editorial input as well so i worked with them on on getting the manuscript ready for sub we subbed, got three, very nice actually, got three rejections out of the nine. I think we subbed two. Uh, we decided to pull the sub, the submission to publishers, uh, which basically just means you, uh, your agent sends another email saying, hey, we're, we're pulling this to, to work on some things and we'll, we'll go back out with it in a bit. Uh, so we pulled the sub in 20, late 2016, I think. And I started revising based on some feedback right after we pulled the sub an editor from orbit, Kelly, something I should have looked that name up. She emailed Matt and said, Hey, I liked this. When you're done with those revisions, send it back to me. I'm, I was revising as quickly as I could, but before I could get the revision done, she left the industry, which is a thing that happens more often than I thought it might, um, with editors and agents. <laughs> Sorry, and I shouldn't laugh, but it's you have to laugh because it's bleakly funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens a lot in this industry, and I didn't realize at the time. But so I was obviously devastated because that was the only, up to that point, the only interested editor um, in my book that I had at that point been working on for like five years, right? But come to find out, Davy Pillai, and I, please God, let me be saying that right. Uh, she had been, you know, in some leadership position at Orbit, and she was somehow involved with Kelly or this editor who had liked the book, um, but had then left the industry. And she was aware of my book and liked it. And so my agent being the excellent person he is, talked to Davey about it personally. And then we, we gave Davey, who had just joined Tor, she had just jumped from Orbit to Tor to be yeah, I don't remember what her initial title was, executive director or something. And I think she's now the president. She was she was one of the the top leaders, right? And and has since climbed to an even more top leadership position. So we gave Tor an exclusive 
look after we finished the the revision even though we had you know six plus other editors that hadn't responded to the initial submission they offered on it i signed a deal for a trilogy and it the advance was 30,000 so 10,000 per book i had no idea other than vague mentions of oh hey this person signed a six figure deal for their debut at auction or whatever, I I had no indication at that point in my publishing journey of what that meant. To prospective authors, maybe that sounds pretty okay, right? Like it's not it's not livable money and it's not life changing money, but to get ten grand per book versus zero grand per book sounds pretty okay, right? You know, I I don't I didn't need the money at that point. I I had had thankfully some pretty solid success in my day job career as uh, had and has my wife. So we were doing well. And I thought, okay, this is my in, you know, the big boss at, uh, at tour likes it. You know, it, it's my, one of my favorite publishers. So I was stoked. I'll try to be brief on the, the next portion, but my intended debut was uh, to be in 2019, but they wanted me to write the next two books and have them all ready to go by 2019 and we said okay we'll try but that that was a mistake (laughs) because a i'm a slow writer b i had a very demanding job and a uh two-year-old at that point uh with a wife who had a demanding full-time job as well so i didn't i did not come close to making that deadline and so it was my fault that rise of the mages pushed from 2019 to 2020 but somewhere in there they decided yeah fine we're we you know we don't need them all at once we can just go to a a normal publishing schedule right so it was it was then slated for 2020 and then the pandemic hit and they had you know everybody was scrambling and uh my book got pushed a year to 2021 which me and and matt felt was pretty okay by that point it had already been however many years so we got to be honest that's probably the nicest thing tor has done for you i think (laughs) you know i mean in some ways because like everyone i know who debuted in in the pandemic bar like one or two people just face planted and it's not their fault and to some extent it's not entirely their publisher's fault either i know that in some cases it was but in a lot of cases it's nobody was ready for that and yeah, we'll that go into more a... into how your debut can affect the rest of your career, which is really, really fun. But anyway, go on. Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, that was a really fucking rough year, right? I had tried to to kind of form little author groups of my own. I met Clay, uh, who's in our, our little group of friends in 2018, 2019. I don't remember which year. Yeah. <laughs> Clay Harmon, author of Flames of Mirror, which is an awesome book, by the way. Um, And Clay is fantastic. But I reached out to some other, you know, tour debuts in 2020. And uh, my book was pushed soon thereafter. But I, I watched them go through debuting in 2020. And it was rough, like really, really rough and so sad because their books are amazing. They're amazing authors very dedicated, but they just absolutely got hosed. So yeah, anyway, I got pushed to 2021. Um, I was supposed to be, I think at that point, September, 2021. I have no idea why 
I got pushed again from 2021 to 2022, probably just publishing schedule or whatever. Oh, I, I was supposed to go in trade paperback. That was kind of an experiment. I think Tor was running is releasing in trade paperback and all right next to each other. Uh, you know, book one, two, three in a span of nine to 12 months. Anyway, I, I changed to a, tr a, a more traditional schedule of roughly a year between books, and they decided to go hardcover instead of trade paperback. And then I finally debuted in 2022, February 8th of 2022, which is really funny, a full almost 10 years after I started writing this same book, uh, finally published in hardcover. And uh, it's been almost a year since then and a very interesting journey, but I think we can get into those details a little later, but that's, you know, from beginning to published, that's my story. That is, it is a really long journey to be fair. Um, I think before you get into publishing, you don't know how long it takes to get books out the door. And now when I see books in bookshops, you kind of, I kind of have this respect for them. Like, Oh, this book has been through about a thousand different hoops just to be on the shelf for like six weeks and then get binned or whatever. Most of our books, isn't it though? Like, well, that was that came out bleaker than I meant. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't mention in there that when I was acquired by Tour, David was you know doing boss things and ended up with Jen Gunnels, who is my editor at at Tor Books. I guess okay, I should probably start talking about mine at some point. So I'm also a Tor author. So I mean, I've written about my incredibly ridiculously ludicrously dramatic publishing journey before on my long-winded blog where um, unfortunate people have sometimes stumbled across it uh, and basically I didn't want to be a writer originally I think when I was a kid and I was writing loads of Wheel of Time fan fiction I had this brief idea when I was 12 that it'd be like the most amazing thing ever to be an author and I thought this was genius and then I think I, when I was about 13 I met some other people just online is like oh wait everyone wants to be an author this is probably a really bad idea because everyone wants to do it and none of us will succeed <laughs> so <laughs> sometime when I was about 29 and I had a kid and no life and we were kind of living in poverty and had been for a while and I had a little bit of a midlife crisis about this um, and decided I did want to write a book after all and I wrote a horrible first book and it was so so bad I couldn't find anyone to read it <laughs> Uh, my partner at the time read 200 words and he said, is it all like this? Because I want to stop already. So I rewrote that book a lot over a year and kept trying to query it. I sent out some of the worst query letters this, this world has ever seen. Um, <laughs> I think I sent out one which said, imagine if like aliens landed on a fantasy planet and tried to start Plato's Republic. And that was like literally the query letter and it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so... We'll talk a little bit about agents and other things. You know, this is not really for querying authors as such, but we'll do that another episode. Um, I wrote a second book in about seven months. I think I sacrificed a lot of health. I'm a slow writer as well. So I sacrificed a lot of health and, and like not having hobbies or free time to do that with kids and everything else going on. Uh, that book found me my agent, who is Naomi Davis. We went on submission and, and that book didn't sell. And I remember one of the podcasts I used to listen to, I think it's called Shipping and Handling. They they said that the, the day you sign with your agent is one of the best days of your writing career because you're just happy and you don't know all the shit that's coming ahead of you. Uh, and there's some truth to that. I was, I, 
I thought I had it made. I had an agent. That was it. Yeah. Then that book spent 18 months dying on submission and I really struggled to write for a lot of that. I think in the first six months I was just tired. I needed a break. And then it was like, I need to know what's going to happen with this book. And what happened with this book is everybody rejected it. So some some people had nice things to say some people not so nice i remember one editor said that it was it was pulpy and too actiony and like didn't have depth or something whatever and then, <laughs> not that you remember that specific comment or that specific person yeah, at all huh he's keeping track <laughs> <laughs> and then i was talking to naomi about the future and she said well you've written contemporary fantasy contemporary adult fantasy which is a hard sell at the time that was back when YA was everything and no one was writing at all. And yeah, you know, we said, well, you know, if you've got a few different ideas, epic fantasy is always a good market. It's reliable. So I tried to write an epic fantasy. And after I think four months, I realized this was not working and I wasn't interested. So I told Naomi I was going to go back and write another idea I had, which turned into the book eaters at the time. It was called Paper Flesh. And it was another contemporary adult fantasy slash urban fantasy. But Naomi was supportive of that. So they liked the idea. I took a long time to finish that book because my life was falling apart a little bit without being making it sound like a sob story. Uh, and the end result of that is eventually I moved out kind of at the early bit of lockdown from my ex-husband's house um, with this unfinished manuscript to no money <laughs> and finished that book and sent it to my agent and said, I'm really sorry, this book's a hot mess and I don't know how to fix it. And they sent it off and I thought, okay, while that's going on, you know, eventually lockdown will lift in a bit and I can go and like retrain because I've been out of work nine years or something ridiculous. I'll retrain, find something else to do. I know submission will take a year or longer because it's COVID, everything's slow. Naomi's warned me advances have gone down since COVID. More on advances in another episode. And that didn't happen. We were preempted by tour in four days, which I like, I almost had a heart attack. I think I was sitting on the couch watching TV with my then boyfriend, new boyfriend, and Naomi sent me a text on Twitter and on Facebook and like my email, like, can we get a call? Can we get a call? Can we get a call? And the end result of that is that Lindsay Hall, who's my editor, had wanted to buy this book and she'd read it overnight. She'd made her team read it the next day and then they'd gone to acquisitions and they'd come back with an offer. Uh, and if you don't don't know how these things work, preempts are basically where a publisher comes to you and says, we're going to try and buy you out to prevent an auction happening. My agent trusts Lindsay as an editor. So I hadn't talked to her or anything, didn't know her. And she said, this is the right deal for you and we should accept it. And part of that reasoning is Tor has the deepest pockets of our genre. <laughs> so if we go to an auction, they'll probably still win, but we'll piss them off and we might get less money in the end. And this mm. just saves a lot of time. So we accepted that preempt and it came to 300,000 US dollars for three books. Um, I couldn't sleep for about two days and I couldn't do an editor call because I was just like, Lindsay offered to call the, the, after the deal closed. And I said, Naomi, I can't, I can't, I can't speak to her right now. <laughs> I think after 10 ridiculous months where I rewrote a third of that book and we did a ton of edits, it eventually came out two years after being acquired August 2022. And I've also had an interesting year. <laughs> I've gone on really long now, so I'm going to stop. No, not at all. That, uh, that's... Oh, no, I'll go on to how I met you, actually, because I hope this doesn't make you feel bad. So I was trying to make... <laughs> no, no, I was trying to make friends. Can't wait for this. 
I was trying to make friends with other tour debuts and I found it because my critique partner who's with Orbit, Orbit was kind of like, it gets its, its debut authors together and they put them together in like a group and they all get to new Orbit voices. Tor doesn't have very many debuts. There were not very many of us. Um, and so I was trying to get to know some of the tour authors and they already all sort of paired off in their own clique, uh, which is fine. Like they've got their own groups and things and they didn't really want to know. Um, and basically Scott was like the first tour author I found who's coming out in my year and who was happy to talk to me. I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I looked him up on Edelweiss and by then I'd learned quite a lot about what was going on with my deal and what it meant. Because when someone hands you a lot of money, you start researching or you should. Um, and I kind of looked at his page on Edelweiss. I thought, shit, they're going to screw him over. And like I sent it to another friend of mine. I said, I think they're going to screw this author over. And they're like, yeah, he's going to get screwed. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think, no, man, I'm so sorry, dude. I think I just have a terrible author's guilt. Like, no, you shouldn't. You I, absolutely shouldn't. That's so funny, though. Because because I became aware very quickly over that summer that my book had been picked for success, and I was happy about that, but also it's kind of not fair on books that aren't picked for success. So I was very aware of that. Yeah, I don't know. started reconnecting with people and, and chatting to people, and actually I think I met Clay through Scott and then discovered I had already met Clay years ago on Absolute Right, uh, where I critiqued an early version of his manuscript, which is now a book. Um, and now we kind of have a little Discord group together and we share information and we try and talk about things going on in publishing really openly and honestly and to keep our feet grounded because I do see people get swept away at, at the high end. Like lead titles talk to lead titles and mid-list talk to mid-list and there's not always cross-pollination between those groups so I guess the first lesson of today's episode is you know we both kind of went into this more or less we had our advantages and disadvantages in life but publishing decided your book goes here your book goes there um if you're not aware of it you know that is a thing there's lead titles and there's mid-list and we ended up on different sides of that fence so <laughs> yeah yeah and and to be <laughs> to be clear in uh you know, in 2020 watching, and then in 2021, really even too, watching some releases, some debuts go one way and mm -hmm. some go a very different way, uh, you know, really started to open my eyes to, hey, something's not clear here. You know, some the things are being hidden from me and everyone uh, and I don't understand what's going on. So I was really desperately looking for people who would talk to me and uh, who would be real uh, and, and tell me what's going on. So I, I consider myself very fortunate for uh, having connected with you and, and, you know, you being willing to uh, dumpster dive in terms of uh, writing friendships. <laughs> No, what's that saying? Um, like you need to be nice to people on your way up because you see them on your way down. I mean, that's the other yeah, side of publishing. You can be a lead title one year and you can be out in your ass the next year. Um, stay humble, yeah. folks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, it, life it really. <laughs> yeah, it really is an absolutely brutal industry, and you know we have quite a few episodes planned where I think that will become more obvious, right? But 
one note I, I wanted to make is that, you know, the discrepancy there between me signing a $30,000 deal and Sunny signing a $300,000 deal there, you know, there are very real factors that went into that, right? So Lindsay at Tor obviously thought the book eaters was good enough that other people were going to offer on it. And they wanted to put a significant amount of money on the table to lock not just the book eaters down, but lock Sunny down for mm. three books, right? Um, so, I mean, she did, she being Sunny, did something very, very right in terms of writing a fantastic book. And The Book Eaters is a fantastic book. So it's not like it's it's just random, right? The randomness is that, or, or, or where potentially a very good book could still get screwed or a very bad book could still get picked up for a lot of money is that, you know, you're, I don't remember your number uh, of how many editors Naomi subbed to, but I, I remember it was more than mine, but my book was only subbed to nine people, right? Um, nine acquiring editors. So you have to impress and have a perfect match of interests, of style, of, um, you know, catching that editor when they have a budget, when they have an opening in their schedule, whatever else with nine people, like that's ridiculous. No, I think it's about eight to 10 editors, depending on who's away or, or on mat leave yeah. or, you know, on vacation or whatever. There's eight to 10 editors in our genre, which is adult sci-fi and fantasy. When you run out of them to sub to, you're out of the big five and you're looking elsewhere, which can work, you know, a, there are really good publishers like Rebellion is is quite a good press. For example, they have a shed load of money. Um, I think when we talk about smaller presses, you have to understand that even smaller presses, you being the listeners, not Scott, uh, smaller presses can still be pretty big. It's just that the big presses are fast, heaving behemoths of corporations yeah. that are even bigger. Yep. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. I. I think. Knowing what I do now, obviously you want to take a shot at signing a huge deal with a huge publisher, but I I don't think I would hesitate at signing a good deal with a, a non-big five as long as they had a pretty solid track record, like, you know, yeah. Rebellion, Titan, whoever. Yeah, I guess that's the first part, really, is that when you're looking at your career, um, money does matter, I think. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you can get stuff like, there are there, sometimes there will be reasons to accept a smaller deal. Um, for me, when I was doing the calculations, like when I went on sub, I was living basically on the dole, which is the, you call them social security in the States. We call them benefits here. Um, and there was a point where it's like this weird median number where if I'd gotten between, a th I can't remember the number, but like between 10 and 20 grand of a book advance, it would have done nothing except take me off the dole for a year <laughs> Yeah, yep. where I was kind of thinking, you know, if I get that, I'd have to think about whether I actually take it, whether it's worth the time. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, you hear people say things like, oh, there can be downsides to a big deal. And I think actually, I don't think so. I don't I think, think so either. I think if you, if someone gives you a big check, you take that money and you run to your bank as fast as your little feet can carry you and you cash it. <laughs> and that is money in the bank that they cannot take off you. Yeah. Because anything can go wrong. Anything can go wrong if whether they give you 10 bucks or 10 million. But one of these ways, you've got 10 million. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, and, and it's not just that, right? And, and to be clear, I, I'm I'm specifically talking yeah. about if I had, you know, if I had at a non-big five, but still a, a very established publisher, if I had a similar deal offered there versus at a bigger publisher, you know, I, I now understand that if that came with significantly more enthusiasm, what have you, at the mm. non-big five, that there's a discussion to be had there between one and the other. Now, the 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 it's maybe percentage of the publisher, because like some yeah. publishers can offer less, but if what they're offering is a lot for what they usually offer, then that means they're throwing their weight behind it. Um, yeah. So I think like orbit advances tend to be a bit lower, but if they so like orbit lead titles will probably have an advance. It's a bit less than tour lead titles, but you're better off being an orbit lead than a tour mid list, for example. Bingo. Bingo. Yep. And, and yet another question that you raised is, <laughs> is it worth signing a small deal with these bigger publishers or any of these publishers, you know, a small deal being roughly what I got. Um, and that's a discussion uh, to be had. A lot of go- <laughs> lot goes into that. It's something that I've thought about a lot. And in my situation, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would have. If I, if I knew what I back then, what I do now, I'm not sure I signed that deal. Right. Because what you're talking about is very real. You've got money in the bank. But what that means from their side. Right. And we've again, we've talked about this a a bit and I think we'll we'll definitely go into this in future episodes. But what that means for them is that they then have to work a lot harder on your book and for your book to earn that money back that they just handed. Boy, do they work. (laughs) Yes. I mean, people say publishers don't market the heck they do. They may not have marketed all the books on their list, but when they choose to, they can throw the kitchen sink. They can throw a warehouse of kitchen sinks at a book to make it yeah. float. It doesn't always yep. succeed, but it's much more likely to. Yeah. And it's not always visible. That's the big thing. Yes. I th- I think, yeah, there's so much. I think people forget publishers can't sell directly to readers. And that's why they're not there on street corners with flyers saying, buy Rise of Mages, because that doesn't work for them. That all Their entire business model is flogging it to stores and, well, I won't say their entire business model, but to like stores, libraries, booksellers, blah, 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 corporate buys, the big pieces behind business to business purchases. So, but yeah, I guess I'm, we should probably pick a point to stop there. And I was going <laughs> to yeah. ask this last question, which is, do you think the experience so far is worthwhile? <laughs> oh. <laughs> God almighty. A uh, lot goes into that, right? And I've actually thought a lot about that over the last few years just because of how my publishing journey has gone, right? You know, my mm-hmm. my debut launch certainly didn't go quite uh, how I hoped it would. So there's a, a lot of reasons to be negative about having spent the time and effort and put the hope into this industry and this career. But overall, where I'm at, I'm I'm happier than I've ever been. You know, I I have a very, very good home life and things are comfortable there. So I have the privilege of being okay with that kind of mm. shit outcome, right? And not everybody yeah. has that. So yeah. I certainly wouldn't recommend my journey for most people. But for me, I do have a book that I love in Rise of the Mages on shelves. And, you know, more in the trilogy 
coming and I have acquired skills and friends that I value very highly. So writing and the publishing industry are still very important to me and I still have a lot of optimism for the future. So yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's it's very worth it, but would I recommend somebody make the choices that I made? Probably not. The real friends were the rejections we got along the way. <laughs> In this case, uh, the, the, the real friends uh, were the real friends I made along the way, right? Like, yeah, there, yeah. there's some pretty amazing people. Uh, in the industry that uh, I've been fortunate to connect with, but I, I would ask the same back to you. But I, I think, uh, I think that's pretty clear, right? Like I, uh, I think it you're... is. But I guess because we're going to get into so much negative stuff, I will say that 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 book deal completely changed my life. Like a year on, um, oh my god, we were living in the shittest place in Leeds, I swear. And how, like, I, I don't have an amazing house, but I have a house that functions, and it's fine and the kids live in it and I have a car and I can drive and for now I live off my riding and can still look after the kids and all that jazz so yeah for me it was life-changing I'll do a money breakdown sometime of what it's like to live off that amount because it's you're not actually just rolling in money as fun as that would sound for one thing everything gets cut up and also taxes are a thing and double taxes are a thing but it's very I'm very lucky and I'm not complaining and it didn't feel worth it when I was dying on submission, but it felt worth it now. So who knows? Maybe in a year's time, I'll be like, no, it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. It, I don't know, caused the end of the world somehow. But for now, yeah. <laughs> I, for um, one, uh, strongly believe that you will be around in this industry for a very, very long time. Uh, I hope so. Mostly because I'm I'm committed now, right? I can't do anything else other than be housewife. So it's housewife or it's books, and <laughs> the kids well, are growing up. So <laughs> I'm I'm now uh, in the house husband or books uh, life. So I get it. I totally get it. You've been listening to the Publishing Radio podcast with Sunny Dean and Scott Drakeford. Tune in next time for more in-depth discussion on everything publishing industry. See you later. Thank you.